Hi, and welcome to Buy Back The Block series, where we talk everything real estate and investment. We believe in empowering those in our communities to take pride in where they live and to share stories of journeys traveled and their successes. Every journey is unique, but also important as it provides an opportunity for those in the community to learn and progress through the experiences of others. There is infinite power that exists through collectively working together. Hello and welcome back to the Buy Back the Block series where we discuss everything property and investment. In today's episode, we have a lady that is active on the property circuit as a speaker, educator, investor and owner of a lettings business. She has been in the property industry for less than 10 years, but has still been able to make an impact in the residential rental markets with a story that has seen her zigzag across the UK and moving from a corporate to self-employment and then a business owner that specialises in HMOs, we talk through the process that was taken in deciding what is important to her and the way in which she lives her life. In addition, her passion for property and the strategies she has used to progress her property journey and structure deals that work out as being beneficial for both parties involved in the transaction. She also mentors and trains people within the property trade on deals and structures that would benefit a person looking to now get into property. So as I normally do on all episodes, I ask the question, who are you, Stephanie Taylor? Hello, it's great to be here. I had to think a lot about this question, but what I, who I am is I like to inspire other people to be their best self and I like to inspire myself to also be my best self. And that's a background of never really believing that I have potential to be more. Mm-hmm. And then only in my 40s now, um, finding some success uh, with things that I thought were not open to me. So in essence, you are, I mean, to me anyway, you're an inspiration anyway. Um, I've been, I've seen what you've, what, what you've done. Um, I've heard the stories that you've told, but it would be good to also get an idea of your background. What's your heritage? Yeah, thanks for saying that, Kevin. Um, it makes me feel sort of a little bit, not emotional, but I, it's hard to sort of grasp that I'm now a person who, who people think is inspirational and um, for a long, long time I didn't really find myself inspirational. But (laughs) going to the question of where did I grow up? I grew up in Birmingham. My parents are from Jamaica and, um, you know, I was born here in the UK. Mm -hmm. My dad was in the army, the British army, and so we used to travel around the world. My sister was born in Germany while we were stationed there. And we, but from about, uh, from the age of five or six, uh, we lived in Birmingham, and that's where we grew up. You say, it's, was it just you and your sister that you grew up with? Um, yeah, that's so, it. So, yeah. so siblings that it's, it's just it's just you two girls. And if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. it's you two girls who actually run your company, isn't it? Yeah, and that the amazing thing about that, Kev, is that um, we didn't really get on. I mean, we loved each other a bit, but we're so different. Like Nikki yeah. is very detailed, analytical. She likes to tell you. If you pick out the frying pan at her house and say that you're going to fry an egg, she's going to explain to you what heat to put it on, yeah. what, which um, eggs were to use, yeah. and how long to put it on for. She likes to give all of the details. Right, and okay. she does that from a place of love, What, how to get things to be optimal. And most people cannot come up to Nikki's standard because she just thinks about things so deeply. I just find her very, very, very irritating. Right, okay. So let, so let me ask, you and your sister, so you grew up with your sister. Who's, who's the older of the two of you? Well, I'm the eldest, right, um, okay. and I, I used to relish in the fact that people always thought that she was the eldest, but just because she just seems so much more sensible, right, okay. <laughs> I think. Yeah, yeah. And she's she's a little bit taller than me as well. And so, would you say that from a very early age, has it always been? I wouldn't say I wouldn't say a, a friction because you've you've spoken about uh, you never used to get on with her. Has that has that has that always been the case from the very beginning in the sense of? Oh you, no! You From the beginning, I I loved her. I absolutely adored her because um, we're I'm the eldest, and there's two years between us, and I I was so excited when she came along, and mm-hmm. she and I just wanted to show her everything. I wanted to introduce her to the world, yeah. and I yeah. loved being with her, loved playing with her. It's only later on into adulthood that yeah. 
I just used to find it irritating always being told what to do and how to do things. You're the older sister. You adore your younger sister. Mm-hmm. She grows up. Mm-hmm. She builds her own identity. You're building mm-hmm. your identity. And with her maturity also, it means that she's come with her own personality and her whole view of the world. Potentially, I think that might be in conflict or it, it, again, it, maybe it, it challenges you a bit. To a degree, a bit of a, yeah, a rivalry. I wouldn't say there's a rivalry. Mm-hmm. What I would say is, it's, you know those wealth dynamics? Nikki's a lord. Um, it's very analytical. So I'm a, a, a star creator, um, quite creative. Yeah. I've got big ideas, big visions. Yeah. Um, I want to influence art. I, when I ask you for a decision, when I ask her for a decision, I want her to give me a decision. She wants time. <laughs> right. to, uh, it's just two different ways of thinking. I don't think it's that we don't like each other. Or It's yeah. just that it just used to jar. You mentioned, you are a bit more creative, you say, isn't it? Absolutely. Right, okay. But to be honest, that is actually a good, that's actually a good combination. It's great that you haven't got a situation where you both got the same skill sets because in that case, it could actually be in, you know, in, in, in conflict. But I mean, let me take, let me take it a step back then. So you grew up in Birmingham. Um, mm-hmm. I take it you were, you were in school there. Up to what age were you in Birmingham? Because I know you've moved around quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. So I was in Birmingham until uh, 2000. So that's, right. oh my goodness, that's 20 years ago. So I left Birmingham 20 years ago. And let me give you, because we've, We've covered a lot of ground here. Yeah. Whereas I had I had my son at the age of eighteen, and uh, I I didn't get my A levels because I was just about to sit for them, and it was a difficult time financially, emotionally, lots of other different ways. Yeah. Uh, but Alex, my son, it was just the most wonderful joy. I mean, he's such a happy baby. He just was so excited about life. I'm so lucky in that way. But later on, I, I then went to the Open University, where you used to get the essays in the post, yeah. and, uh, before the days of computers. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I did my degree part-time with them. And then when Alex went to school, I went to university full-time. Mm-hmm. And I had just done that. And then I did a master's degree at Birmingham University and mm-hmm. did, some, did those jobs. And... I felt in a rut and I thought, what would, what would I like to do next? I wanted to be able to provide Alex with a really good, a solid future. I ended up, it's kind of a long story, so I'll, yeah. I'll truncate it. Yeah. I ended up moving to, with Alex to Edinburgh. Wow. And um, it was, there was, there was a research studentship at uh, Edinburgh University, okay. and that was the start. And uh, so I ended up being up there and doing another master's degree, um, being asked to do a PhD, and just living in Edinburgh for um, for fifteen years. But those were really transformational years because right. I think um, having Alex so young, I didn't realise it at the time, but there was a lot of shame. Uh, there was a lot of shame in that, and I don't think you. I don't think I was believing in myself very much. Or, right. um, yeah. yeah. So, so from yeah. that, okay, okay, I could, yeah, I could, I could imagine. Um, to be honest, uh, I think the first generation has a view and um, opinion of how things should actually work. I think life has its own way of, you know, dictating our paths. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, it might have been. I mean, considering where we come from and. I don't know if your if your parents are religious. Um, mine are. Um, I'm sure that had I been in that same situation, it would have been the same sort of guilt um, by way of yeah. uh, by way of um, uh, uncles and aunts and other family members. I think I think it's probably changed. Yeah, I think I think, it's, I think it's probably changed now. But um, yeah. yeah, I can imagine that um, back then it, it it could potentially have uh, have have carried. But let, but let me ask this question also. So you so you, so you mm. did. You did a degree, uh, Open University. Mm. You also uh, mm. did um, a degree in Birmingham, did you say? Was that a master's programme? Yeah, that's right. Was that a master's well, programme? Well, uh, first of all, I finished off my first degree. Yeah. Um, and then I went on to do a master's degree later on. Right. What did you study What did you study for a degree? Well, that was the thing. I just thought I wanted to be a social worker. 
and that just so wasn't me at all. Yeah. Um, and so my I did a family's degree that had sociology, sociology, and a year's a year doing social work. And then after that, I did international relations. That was my um, diplomacy and international relations. That was my uh, master's degree. Right. Okay. So these degrees need to be very people orientated. Would you say yeah. that? Would you say that? Um, and you said you did a PhD. I was invited to start one, but oh, right. I didn't go ahead with that um, for various different reasons. Fair enough. Yeah. So you're out in you're out in Edinburgh. You're mm-hmm. working. You're there with your son. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What were you doing out there? I know that you were running a number of um, social. Uh, was it social yeah. events or that sort of thing? Well, it's so funny because well, I, I started off and. It was one of those times where everything came together. So I had gone up there with Alex on our own. But just the week before, I had started to... I hadn't been attending church, even though you mentioned that just a moment ago, growing up. But Alex, before we moved to uh, Edinburgh, I had wanted Alex to attend a particular school. And it was the best state school in Birmingham at the time, Moseley Church of England School. And so we had started attending a church and we'd applied to the school and we'd be able to get in. And um, I had, um, when we moved to that school, I, I continued going to the church. And um, the, I went there one week and met a lady who knew somebody in Edinburgh. We said we were moving to Edinburgh, she knew somebody in Edinburgh. And that connection was so special because the person had a family. One that they had, they had two boys. One was one year older than Alex, and one was one year younger. Um, and they were just they they were with Alex on his first day. They had a cousin who was joining the school who was in Alex's class on his first day. Oh wow! So it was really it was really fantastic to know them, and you know they were very open to inviting around to their house and it just made us feel so welcome and so settled in within within Edinburgh right okay so you're working you're doing this stuff I'm taking at this point in time you haven't yet established or sorry found property you had no idea oh no 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 this was way before no I had no idea way before (laughs) I tell you how my mind has changed that at the time I had taken on a little part-time job on the side of going to do my master's degree because obviously I needed some income and the job was paying around 20 grand a year to work part-time and um, then I was at university the rest of the time Mm -hmm. and when I graduated I was um, I had a I had a few jobs one was at the Scottish Executive before it became the Scottish Government, and I was on a research project to talk about policy making post devolution. It was so interesting, okay. and I got to interview civil servants all across the um, at all levels, ministers, outside agencies. And so it was just the most thrilling job. Okay. And um, later on, I then became the parliamentary liaison. Oh wow! Person for. For Edinburgh City Council, because that was as the Scottish, um, the Scottish executive evolved, um, they wanted to have their own liaison with Parliament. Right. Um, so it was, it was just a really interesting and exciting time. But my salary ambitions, when I think back to what our earnings are now in a month, you know, I was delighted to have had that in a year mm. uh, back in the day, and and felt quite good, you know, to have gotten up to forty k. Um, and, and slightly beyond yeah. at that time, um, but now I just realised how liberal I knew. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, times have changed quite a bit, and I think that as your as your mind opens up and you realise opportunity and the real power that exists within you, then um, your ambitions also change. So you're in, so you're in Edinburgh. You're now working. Mm-hmm. You've got an expectation mm-hmm. of where you think your career is going. Mm-hmm. At a point, you mm-hmm. must have left left Edinburgh. What was the thing that caused you to leave Edinburgh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to skip a few parts because oh, okay. yeah. I was in Edinburgh for 15 years yeah. and um, a lot happened during that time. But eventually, um, 
I decided to move back to England a lot of different reasons. Um, But uh, I decided to move to Bristol rather than going back to Birmingham where I grew up because Mm. I just thought that Bristol seems like an incredible city. I didn't really want to live in London um, and had everything that I was kind of looking for. And also by that time, I was working in financial services, which was another leap in income again. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I just decided Bristol was the place and I intended to settle there for, you know, for the long term. Right. Okay. So by that time, had you, so I take you working in financial services, what was it? Were mm-hmm. you, were you like a permanent employee? Were you a contractor? What was your sort of foray? Into? I was a contractor. Right. Okay. I was a contractor. And the bit I've missed out is a bit where I went off and became a sole trader, but very much in a a lifestyle business but lifestyle in the wrong way where it's more of a the self-employment but without any perks um <laughs> so, right. so that was that was and after 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 i decided to sell that business um after seven years i was totally exhausted burnt out um oh, wow. and now when i look back i wouldn't say clinically depressed but just down wow. and uh so I had a down period after that where I was working at very low level, very low level jobs. And mm. only looking back, I can see that. Um, but but by accident, I, I, I found out about this contracting right, with information okay. services. Right, okay. And I thought, my goodness me, these jobs are virtually similar to what I've been doing at virtually minimum wage. Um, but yet you're getting paid, you know, several hundred pounds a day. Yeah, and so... um so I started uh, doing financial services contracting, and uh, I moved to Bristol and continued mm. to continued to do that. Did you actually enjoy working in the in the financial services? Um, I like it in a way. Right. I mean, there's a lot worse jobs. Yeah. I like it in a way, I, but I mean, I mean, it what, doesn't. Sorry, I, I realize that a lot of people. I mean, that is an that is an argument for a lot of people that they, there's certain parts of. Uh, contracting and working in that industry which is great but then you realize that for a lot of people when you take a, a, a deeper dive into it you realize they're just sacrificing their time for a, a, a great uh, wage um, but all the stress and everything else that comes along with it from working in that industry is not really what people subscribe to yeah exactly. is, is, is that is that the case with is that the case with you was it when you say that it was uh, you like certain parts of it what made it what made it good and what made it bad for you Mm. I, I didn't like the boundaries. I, I didn't like the slow speed of progress. Mm. I didn't like all the committees, and I, I just I didn't like all the politics. Right. Um, so, and also, it's more uh, the role I was in as a very detail focused role that hurt my brain because right. <laughs> that's not my real house. I, I only realised these things, you know, reflecting back and looking back. Um, of why I was trying to push myself into, uh, you know, square peg into a round hole. That that wasn't going to work for me. But I don't think I would have taken any action because although I had a, a tiny spark that used to flicker every now and again, I would instantly put it out thinking, no, I don't think you can do anything else. Um, you know, I had tried to run a business, but really it was a glorified hobby, really, more so. Okay. Um, but... A few things happened, and one of them was that my mum got ill, and you know there was just some everyday moments that, in the end, changed your life. Yeah, absolutely. And so it was one of them because she she called me one morning, and I was getting ready for work, and I had a lovely flat that was right on the harbour side. I love being next to the water, so that I just I just adored living there, but. It, it had really good light as well. So the sun was flowing in. So she called me and I was distracted and busy and didn't really pay her attention, mm-hmm. even though I knew that she was ill. I was yeah. tr- trying to get off the phone. And um, when I lived at my desk in the afternoon, I, I was worried about a presentation that I was doing. Okay. And then later in the afternoon, I was at my desk and I just reflected back on the conversation. And it was absolutely like I was being punched in the belly because yeah. it just hit me. Oh, my God does not matter it does not matter that you came into this bank today if you had not come into the bank today and had had to rearrange the presentation 
or make any adjustments that they needed to make because I'm not there, it would have been absolutely fine. Absolutely. Um, but I'm making the bank more important than my mum. And, you know, for her, we are. We are we are everything. Yeah, so absolutely. if I want to live my life and pretend that my family is important to me, I need to be able to be able to easily reflect that in the way that I live. And uh, yes. that was that was the moment that I thought, I need to do this. I need to try again and find another way. Right, okay. So in essence, you began to um, you began to look at it from the perspective of your family being the centre of attention rather than your career per se, or that split yeah. that exists between what is important by way of family and what you consider important by way of your lifestyle or work and environment. Yeah, it's just what 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 are the important values in your life? Yeah. How do you want to live your life? What do you want to do? Where do you want to spend the majority of your time? Absolutely. And I realised that the majority of my time is at the bank. Yeah. I don't believe in the bank. I don't. I know that you have to work for money, but I just thought there must be a different way. There must be something that other people know about yeah, <laughs> that I don't know about. There must be a way to do this. And I, I started to, you know, look. So, so in that case. You're looking, so at this time, you've decided that you need to start looking at other options. Did you go for mm-hmm. a process by which you landed on property? Was there some spark moment that's, that um, property jumped out at you? Or was it, I mean, I mean, what, what was the process that you went through um, in actually landing so on, just, on property? I was conscious of knowing the fact that business, being self-employed doesn't necessarily mean that you've got a financially good business. Yeah. And that it needed to be something where the numbers just work. And I had the idea of property because I had a flat that I previously lived in in Edinburgh. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that there possibly will be something in that. And maybe I should look into property a little bit more and find out. But at this stage, I'm still kind of tentative. Um, And I started going to the property events. Uh, the evening event, so I'd be going to you know two or three a week. So I was working full time at the bank, and then whatever property events were coming up in Bristol, I would be there. Right. So and I was amazed. I was absolutely. You know, when you first start going, Kevin, yeah. you remember? Yeah. <laughs> I was blown to, away by to, what people were doing. To be to be honest, it's like there's another world out there that you don't really know about, and it's only by mm-hmm. unfortunately. Um, okay, you, you, you probably got a network around you that you might know one or two people who are doing it in property. But when you go to these events mm-hmm. and people tell their stories, then you realise like, mm-hmm. oh shoot. First of all, first of all, I think a lot of time it's like, these people are massive. But then mm-hmm. you start speaking to other people around you who are at these events mm-hmm. and you realise people are doing stuff, but they're not really much different to what I'm doing. You know? Exactly. And, and that is it. It's that, it's that being able to see to see yourself and other people. Yeah. yeah. And, and and that was it, Kirsten, because at the beginning I used to sort of think, oh, well, of course these people can do it because they've got, you know, connections, they had money, yeah. they had this, they had all these things that, you know, would mean that they can do it, but obviously I can't do anything like that. Yeah. And, um, and then it was just one particular presentation and these two guys were talking and I just thought, and they were telling the story of how they got into it. And they uh, had normal jobs and they had uncertainty and they had problems. But then they were talking about the financial returns on all of these properties and also the great arrangements that they were able to make for the people they were working with. And I just thought, OMG, I can do this. And I've gone from total, like, uh, don't know whether I can do it, total clarity, this is what I'm going to do. And... um, both were wrong, you know. Yeah. <laughs> the very uncertain one was wrong, and the total clarity one was wrong as well. But, yeah, uh, <laughs> but yeah so it was. It was. It was. It, it was. It was. It was enough information to move you forward. You know. Yeah. I think. I think. I think. Yeah. I think. I think the view of having total quality. Sorry, total clarity in property is a, yeah. is, a is a fallacy. To be honest, but yeah. you do. But I think a lot yeah. of the time you get yourself into a deal and and you somehow work your way around it it's, it's, it's about how you're thinking is isn't it um yeah number of strategies that you have um, by way of exiting or making sure that you make a profit on every deal that you do you know yeah 
exactly. But there's always there's always there's always a way. There is always a way. I'm I'm still yet to find out. Um, uh, mm-hmm. in property, how you can mess it up to a point that there's no recovery. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So, 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 so your friend. exactly. So now you've now had an idea of what you want to do because you're mm-hmm. visiting a lot of these property networking groups. You've met with quite mm-hmm. a few people. You found out mm-hmm. that, hey, this is how people are doing things. How did you move from that? Um, and how did you get into HMOs? Because not only did you go into properties, but then you moved, you, you went into the HMO, um, um, landscape. <laughs> it's so funny because when I first heard about HMOs, I thought I cannot imagine anything worse than that. I would not want to be like, managing all those tenants and all of that legislation mm-hmm. and all of that. And that's what I ended up doing. Yeah. But it was just from that, I had that fire in my belly. I kept having that replay in my mind of the feeling that I had that moment when I knew. Yeah. And I just had this feeling of, you have to make this work. Yeah. You. And the other thing I realised at the same time, Kevin, and this was like, OMG, <laughs> a, deal break, a, a game changer was, there's a system. Oh, right, okay, there's a system for business success. Yeah, absolutely. And you just had to step by step the system, yeah. and then you can succeed. And, uh, you know, I just thought, oh, why did I not realise this before? It's so obvious. Yeah. And um, from I knew that, and I I was so fired up, and I would go to work. I would work during my lunch break. I'd be listening to podcasts before work. Listening to podcasts and after yeah. work. And I had this this list app on my phone, yeah. and I would write down everything I needed to do. And again, before work at lunchtime and in the evening when I wasn't listening to podcasts, I'd be actioning all of these things on my list to set up mm-hmm. the business and start the viewing process and mm-hmm. open a bank account and all the rest of it. But what made it work, and it wouldn't have worked without this, not the way it is today, is that very, very early on, I went around to my sister's and she'd just come back from, I think it's three months, to, in, uh, she'd come to Jamaica for a holiday. Okay. She was between jobs and she had a very, very demanding job and she decided to take a career break and think about what she was doing when she came back. Mm-hmm. And so it's just lucky for me because normally she's super cautious. And um, because she's very high earning, I doubt that she would have wanted to give up a job to have come in with me. But it just so yeah. happened that that's when she wasn't working. And she wanted something different as well. But she would never have had the courage or the audacity, if you will, to think that she could run a business, even though she's extremely capable yeah. of running running a business. Um so, so she came in with me. She said at that time, you know, I'm going to come in with you 50-50. Oh, and wow. I was over the moon. And my mum was worried <laughs> because we don't, we always bicker. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> so, so we wouldn't get on. Yeah. <laughs> and then it would all end in tears. But um, that, that's what happened. At that point in time, your sister was in a high-paying job. She decided to give up. She basically gave up on gave that job up. And decided mm-hmm. to go into property with you. Was your first mm-hmm. was your first deal an actual purchase? Because I know you no. are also an advocate of the rent to rent situation. Yeah, so I'll just give a little overview. Is that we went into rent to rent and we built up HMO Heaven is the name right. of the company, and it's a rent to rent company, HMO management company, guaranteed rent, and we've got just over two million pounds worth of contracts within that company right. uh, growth that we're managing just over 100 rooms that we're managing. Wow. And then we have another aspect, which I'm sure we'll come on to later, which yeah. is all the properties that we've bought, which yeah. we own for ourselves. And then we also started uh, teaching other people how to get started in property with, with little money. Right. And I'm sure we'll come on to that as well. Yeah. And the final thing that I want to talk about as well, if we get chance, because we might not cover all of this, is, how to buy property with little money down, you know, these lease options, exchange with delay completion. Yeah. Because now having done a few of those, I still find that like, really? Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing? But it, it is a thing. And um, so I'm keen to share this with people who, who, who might be exactly where I was just only a few years ago and just hear this and think, oh, yeah, I can, go, I can get started in that. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, yeah, definitely. Look, everything we're going to talk about everything. Um, people want to people want to hear this. I've 
How, what can I say? In, 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 in my view, or what, again, something else I dislike about the industry is that a lot of people throw around certain headers that when you mm. take a look under the hood, you realize it's not really mm. true. But interesting mm. thing is I've checked, I've, I've, I've done my research on you to a degree mm. and I can see that numbers are true and I've asked questions mm. and I realized that, okay, so she is actually, what she's saying is that is actually the truth. So don't worry, we will, we will cover all that. Um, and about your training facilities and everything else. So yeah, that is definitely something that we'll, we'll take a look into. So your first deals were all rent to rent, uh, deals. How did you, so how did you actually go about getting your first deal? Oh my gosh. Well, I'm actually a really shy person. As a kid, I actually can remember crying <laughs> because somebody spoke to me. Um, <laughs> um, and I used to just hope that people wouldn't notice me and um, things like that. I was quite chatty at home and I used to like reading books. Yeah. But I'm just giving you that, that backdrop because when it came to the idea of like um, walking into um, letting agents or speaking to landlords and I was really worried because why would I think I could do it? Why would they think I could do it when I didn't know if I could do it because I'd never done it. And that's the mindset leap that everybody has to go over. Before you do something for the first time, you have to have the belief that you can do it when you've never done it. And everything that you've succeeded at in the past, you had to have that belief. So I just had that belief that that we were going to be that any landlord agent or whatever that was um, brave enough to give us our first property, that we were going to absolutely do the best we could. And that's all I could say because I didn't know how good that we were going to be. Yeah, uh, but I said that to myself and that gave me the, um, the strength to be able to call the agent and I still had that fire in my belly. And also, I think I just had that sense that time is passing. Because yeah. when we started this, I was 45. So it's just like, wow. if you don't do this, when are you going to do it? So yeah. it just gave a sense of urgency to everything. But along, along the same lines too, a lot of people might say, oh, at that sort of age, you can't do anything. But then you realise that, mm. look, in being in your 40s and starting a business, you don't throw away all the experience that you's got. You mm, that, that, mm, that, that mm. sometimes it, it you need that experience to reach where you need to be. Mm-hmm, maybe, maybe had you mm-hmm, tried to do mm-hmm. it in your thirties, it would have been a completely different case. It might have it might have frightened you to a point that you never would have gone there again. But now you've gone through mm-hmm. life, you've got the experience that you needed, and you've been able to launch a mm-hmm. successful business that runs that runs like a like a serious machine right now. That's not bad at all. Mm-hmm. Nothing to mm-hmm. nothing to uh, to smirk about. I mean, it is definitely it's definitely achievement in in in, in that in that regard. So, I mean, again, for a lot of people who look at their ages and say, hey, I can't do this. No, that's mm-hmm. not that's not good enough. <laughs> you know, you, yeah. I mean, there's there's we, we, the thing is, we can always wake up and put something in front of ourselves to say that we can't do something or the reason why we can't do something. Mm-hmm. But um, the truth of the matter is your age shouldn't really be shouldn't be shouldn't be one of them. If you want to do it and you have a f- passion for it, you should be able to pick yourself up and. And, 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 and do it now you start you started out when did where did you start out doing this um, rent to rent thing was it in Bristol in Newport oh in Newport no so I, I was living in Bristol but I had it in my head uh Kevin that Bristol was uh, sorry Newport was the place to do this why, um, why, why what made you say Newport I just heard a few things okay. like then up and coming um that says opportunity here and um, it wasn't far obviously from Bristol mm-hmm. different world <laughs> but it wasn't too far away and I just thought you know what let, let me try it um, sometimes people come to me and they say well where should I start Stephanie and I give them some pointers about what to look for before you start but what people want is total certainty before they start and you can never get total certainty at the beginning you can only get to a certainty afterwards so you have to prepared to step forward yeah. with with uncertainty absolutely absolutely I've, I've, I, I say that if you've to be honest in any sort of business if you've got if you've got anything more than 50 percent of what you're about to mm-hmm. do i think that's enough to get mm-hmm. started you know everything mm-hmm. else you've got to work out yourself i mean at the, mm-hmm. end of the day, at the end of the day how many people go into business 
only for mm-hmm. only for the business that you intend to go into to change or for you to have to amend mm-hmm. or you know uh, make some changes in your business to better serve to, to better serve your audience you might go into mm-hmm. this like for example you might go into the hmo market saying hey um we're in newport we're going to service all the students but then you realize that there's a, there's a great or burgeoning um professional market for hmos you know it's mm. it's those sort of changes that you you might have to tweak but it's being able to understand mm-hmm. that you can't have all the answers so yeah. okay so you so you went into newport you're taking your sister along with you well i was still living in bristol nikki was still living in beckenham because you know it's hard to get people out of london <laughs> <laughs> wow beckenham. okay <laughs> But at this point, none of us have moved here. So um, so I'm just going across to Bristol. So I'd come across one weekend and I had looked at four properties with an agent. Mm-hmm. But I had obviously said something to the agent on the drive back because she, her attitude towards me had changed. Right. And um, I realized that I had said the wrong thing. Right. Um, and I was in the center of Newport where all the uh, letting agents are all in the same place. Mm-hmm. And I was standing in the, in, in, the, in the street thinking, oh my goodness, I need to go into a letting agent. I need to go into a letting agent. Or should I just go back to Bristol and forget about it? Mm. I thought, yeah, go back to Bristol. And I thought, you know what? You've got to go in there. Um, it's so easy not to show up for yourself, even yeah. though you would never not show up to work or show up for your family or show up for other people. Yeah. You, you just, you're just always not showing up for yourself, giving yourself some rubbish excuse. So, um, so I, I made myself go in, and um, the the uh, it was the late found out was the branch manager at the time, and she I said, oh, "Have you got any HMOs?" Something to that effect. And she said, "Oh, we don't do subletting." And I said, "Oh, um, it, well, have you?" I, I managed to have the presence of mind to ask. She went into she was. She wasn't just rude. She said she doesn't do subletting because her uh, head office wouldn't allow it and all the contracts and everything. They wouldn't be happy with it. Right, okay. And I had the presence of mind to ask about whether they had any, accepting what she was saying and saying, yeah, I can see what you're saying because you don't know who we are and so on. Would you consider if you've got any uh, tenant find only landlords who would be open for a long-term let with us? And... Luckily for me, she did have a landlord and she started chugging me towards these huge screens and uh, she showed me two properties on the same street. And funnily enough, I already had a viewing with another agent at one of these properties the following week. And so I agreed to see one of them with her agency, uh, which was good because the other agency let me down. They called me on the morning after I'd already driven over from, uh, from, Bristol, from Bristol yeah, and told me that they cancelled um, and they gave me some... Uh, rubbish story because in the end I saw the two properties with this other letting agent that I went into afterwards and also the owner of the property wow, and okay. uh, Nikki was with me on that one and we both went in and we were so uh, bushy eyed and bright you know bright eyed and bushy tailed and we're going around with our, uh, our clipboard saying oh yes yes excuse me we definitely changed the floor and oh yes I think we do this and that and uh, I don't know what we look like um <laughs> <laughs> but um, the landlord obviously could see and I can see looking back that you can see when people care and uh, when people are basically honest they mm-hmm. don't have to tell you it just sort of comes out yeah absolutely. the landlord said to us later on that he he didn't know whether we would laugh because we probably seemed a bit too green, um, <laughs> but he did. He did trust us, and he, he, you know, he wanted us to do well. Yeah, yeah. And um, so he he decided to take a chance on us, basically. Okay. And that was that was our first that was our first two properties. We got two at once: a five bed and a four bed. Oh wow! Okay, okay, that's not bad. <laughs> yeah. For a first for a first deal. So 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 how does it so how does it work? So you take a property off you take a property off a landlord. Um, yeah. you obviously offers it, you obviously you've arranged your, your price or whatever but then the property mm-hmm. I take it when you're taking these properties off they're not going to be in a standard that you want them to be are they? Mm. It can vary a lot some people are getting properties that are already done up but we didn't get a property that was already done up but right. the landlord told us that his decorator would be able to come in and do uh, a paint job for £500 which we were amazed that anybody could do a paint job for £500 <laughs> 
so we just thought, oh, world's prices, that's really good. So we got the paint, <laughs> we got the paint around and we, because we were very hyper at this stage, yeah. we got the paint around and we showed them all the colours that we wanted to use and everything like that and the cutting in and, you know, the, you know brilliant white for all of the woodwork because it wasn't white at that time, it was just, well, it was just wood. Um, and um, he just looked at us and he just said, I can't do that. Um, he just, Flashes a bit of magnolia or white walls, ceiling, everything all the same, and it doesn't matter if it goes on woodwork or he can't do what what we were asking for. And that threw us into a massive tailspin because then we were trying to get contractors at short notice because we'd already signed up to this thing. Right. Okay. And um, we ended up paying an absolute fortune uh, for the decorating because we had to get. We didn't have to, but because of time pressures, we chose to get a very expensive company in wow. to do it. Um, and uh, so so we got to the end of it and we, we spent a lot more than we anticipated mm-hmm. and we didn't know if it would work. And I can remember thinking, what if this doesn't work yeah. and we can't let these properties out? Right, okay, okay. So you've now decorated the place, you've, mm-hmm. um, you've created your HMO, uh, environment you put mm-hmm. your beds you put your mm-hmm. covers mm-hmm. and everything else was it a case mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean i know that i know that the norm is these days that every room should have an ensuite or whatever was that the sort of model that you went for or was it shared was it shared um, living spaces i mean what, what what was the sort of standard that you were trying to go for initially right so for us most of our properties because it's new for low capital values for properties um, most of the properties that we've got is shared bathrooms because it actually costs a lot to put in on suites and a lot of the properties are not the right size to put in yeah, on suites. Okay. And if anybody wants to see the before and afters from this property, on the HMO Heaven website, there's a little bit called Case Studies. And this one that I'm talking about is Queen's Hill number one. Okay. Uh, so you can go there and look at the... Um, uh, 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 anyway, it was so it was so it was so stressful. It was so exciting and exhilarating. It was just it was just everything. Mm-hmm. And um, we ended up. He'd only signed up with us for three years because he wanted to try us out rather okay. than five. Yeah. And recently, he's extended for another five years. Wow. And uh, we had a very good rent with him. Um, as I say, partly I think that was because he liked us mm-hmm. and. Um, he not everybody needs the money as well everybody's doing this for the money yeah absolutely um so i think that's something that we find unusual but even after we spent a lot on the refurbishment and so on (laughs) sorry and then that will go up um you know as we go into the extended period well we're already in the extended period Uh, i think on on i can't remember the numbers for this property but what i love to explain to people is that you know even if you had a very average property and you made mistakes and stuff. And so you're making £500 a month. That, that's all very well. But over five years, that's £30,000 in profit after all the costs of running that property. Wow. And so if you think about it that way, and you've got one property, you only actually need, you know, two, three, four, five properties. Our first five properties, cash flows, just over £200,000 after you know over the five year period um so with the guaranteed rent model you actually don't need very many properties because it's not a business that everybody wants to be in it is a lot more high touch than some of the other investment strategies but as i always say you either invest time you invest money or you invest both and if you don't have a lot of money it's a great way to get started and then you can always move on to other strategies you you got that going in um in, in, in Wales you also talk about um like lease options and that sort of thing was yeah. it a case <laughs> was it a case that from the very onset you were looking at those options or was it just variations or as you got into the industry a bit more deeper that you started to look well, at the options that are available to you we knew about lease options from quite early on but I had a level of skepticism shall we say around it yeah. but I just um, decided what we just decided to do was focus on the cash flow strategy because lease options is not like some people say they're going into property full time and their strategy is lease options. Lease options is not a day to day, everyday cash flow strategy. Lease mm-hmm. options is a win the lotto when it happens 
strategy. So it's just like a cherry on the cake that you're going to get every yeah. now and again. Yeah. It's not something that's going to, even if you're full-time marketing, you're not going to be having them coming through consistently all the time, yeah. especially in an up market, which we've just come out of. Yeah. But we decided that while we were just going about our normal business and rent to rent, we would ask about if people wanted to sell and where the possibility was we would offer the lease option. So we've actually got three quite different one of them was a property that we were already managing mm-hmm. on a rent-to-rent. Mm-hmm. And we'd been managing it for a little while. And when we first took it on, I mean, the owner really wanted to get rid of this property from ages. But um, he, it was a massively in negative equity for a long while because he bought it at the highest of the market. Right, okay. And he couldn't afford to sell it like that, even mm-hmm. though it was losing him money every month. Because right, uh, okay. he only had three three tenants out of eight. Right. Anyway, long story, a lot of drama. Right. But um, when we took it over, he'd almost given up hope because he'd tried agents, he'd tried this, he'd tried that. At the time, he only had three, yeah, three tenants, and they were all paying extremely low rent. The heat was on twenty four seven tropical, that well known setting, and um, he was losing money between eight hundred and a thousand pounds every month. Wow. It had an expensive mortgage product as well and expensive utility bills. It was a big house. Yeah. And then he had other costs well ongoing. But um, so he was basically paying for those three people to live there in his house and he couldn't sell the house or he felt he couldn't sell the house. So when we came along, he, he was delighted and we managed to, we did it up, but we explained what he needed to do. Mm-hmm. And then we furnished it and got the people in. And once it was fully tenanted and up and running again, he had a valuer out. And it was it was the right price that he 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 was able to sell at, and so he said, "Did we want to buy it?" So we said, "Yeah." And um, and so the arrangement is for people listening is that, and the thing that I didn't understand about it is that we now pay a monthly amount, and it's not rent because the monthly amount that we pay. So let's take an easy math example. If we're paying a thousand pounds a month, mm-hmm. and then we have the option to buy it after five years. That would mean that we pay sixty thousand pounds, and the, the sixty thousand pounds is deducted from the agreed purchase price. Wow! So yes, so it's a bit like just buying on what used to be called in the old days higher purchase. It's like some sort of rent to rent to buy scheme to to, to... Yeah, it's an interest free uh, loan. So with the lease option, we have the option to buy at the end of five years. And depending on what your contract will say, it might say that if you don't buy at the end of five years, you lose the money that you've put in, yeah. be that either on the monthly payments or on any, any improvements that you've made. Um, uh, or you have the, the other one is exchange of delay completion, where you we, we have the obligation to buy. So another one we've done in, in, in Newport is that we... We've been around, obviously, now for a few years in Newport. This all started 2016, so we're just coming up to four years here. Mm-hmm. And during that time, you know, people have got to know us because we've been writing letters to the HMO, all of the HMO landlords. And so one of the couples who we'd met, we'd met them at an, um, a property event where I had been speaking many years earlier, like 2017. Mm-hmm. And when they were selling off different properties in their portfolio to retire, wanted to sell them off uh, over a period of time mm-hmm. and uh, they were open to a lease option and their property is four flats um, it's already converted well it's already almost fully converted into four flats there is still a bit of work to do yeah. but it's basically four flats and we agreed the purchase price of £160,000 London people you can't buy guides for that can you? <laughs> <laughs> Studio <laughs> 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 so we so we got we agreed to one hundred and sixty thousand pounds. Now you can buy um, a lease option or exchange the delay com- uh, completion. You can just pay a one pound fee when you're setting up the deal, but we are actually paying ten percent. So we're paying up front sixteen thousand pounds. Okay. And then every month for the option period. Oh, sorry, it's not it's not option. It's exchange with delay completion yeah. for the period. Every month for the period, we're paying three hundred and twenty pounds a month, right, and okay. at the end of the period, all of those three hundred and twenty pounds is deducted off the purchase price. The sixteen thousand pounds that we paid at the beginning is deducted off the purchase price, and we pay the remainder 
so what happens is that we cash flow over that over that whole five year period because the the amount we're paying each month is so small and it's full flat. Yeah. We'll be cash flowing a significant amount. It's over a thousand pounds. I haven't I haven't got the figures in front of me. Okay. So so let me ask this question. But, in in the case in the case of financing though, do they mm-hmm. do they take mm-hmm. into consideration that money you've you've already paid up front? So or, or is it a case yeah, so, you can still get a mortgage that will take into consideration all this money that you've been paying bit by bit to the seller? So at the end of the period, we will owe the seller uh, a certain amount. So say if say we've said here that the, the agreed purchase price is 160. Yeah. So I'm not going to work out the three yeah, yeah. Pay Say that the £16,000 yeah. £16, that was paid plus the monthly payments comes up to 60 grand. Yeah. So that would mean that we would still owe £100,000 to complete. So we would need to find finance, whether mortgage or otherwise, for £100,000 to pay off the uh, the rest of the purchase to the owner. So that could be, um, it could be either funds that we've got ourselves in cash. It could right. be funds that we get from a, a lender, private lender. Mm-hmm. It could be a mortgage. Most definitely. It's a very cool arrangement. I cannot tell you how I make how excited I am that it exists. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I think I think I think I I think I like the way that that sounds. To be honest, so another question: in the case of these properties and the management of them, do I take Mm -hmm. it? It's only you only manage properties that are in Wales. It's not a situation where you're in Wales and you'll manage a property in Birmingham or or have a HMO in Birmingham. All your properties are local to you. That's right. That's right. At the moment. Well, yeah, we only want to manage properties local to us, and we're very um, particular on how local. You know, we don't even go across Cardiff, which is the next city, because right, okay. the reason why we're able to manage all our properties really efficiently is because everything's here. All of our contractors are here. We've got a member of staff who manages the properties for us is mm-hmm. here, and all of the things we need to run an amazing business is here in Newport, right, okay. in this location. But what we are what what the idea that is open to us is, and something that people do ask us for is the people who come and they do our rent bank starter program with us, often they would love to be able to just take up our branding and take up our systems yeah, and run so a much, business yeah. that's HMO Heaven somewhere else. Yeah. And we would, that, so that is something that um, in, in time that we would um, look into doing. Right, so, so some, yeah. sort of, so, some sort of franchise model. Yeah, franchise or licensing. So, okay. um, yeah, yeah. That's pretty cool. Again, that's 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 great. So, yeah. I take it you, yeah. you in 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 essence, you would you would would you recommend someone says that he wants to invest in property? Would you in would you would you advise that person to invest in the city that they're in, or is is it still a case where looking at other cities is is is, is an option? I think it can work well. Both ways, mm. as long as you have the right um, expertise in the area. So, if you want to do HMOs, then the management is really important because yeah. average management will give you rubbish results on an absolutely. HMO. Yeah. Average management will give you okay results on a single net. That's absolutely fine. Yeah. So, you need to have the resources that you need in place in the area where you want to invest. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think, I think that's the key. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That sounds that sounds pretty good, and I'm sure that the audience will. Uh, I mean, as you said, you you run courses around this, don't you? Yeah. yeah. So another thing, just to go back, yeah. is for remote investors in particular, yeah. the guarantees rent can be very attractive because with a, a, a percentage basis, there's not really very much incentive for your letting agent to go the extra mile for you to, to keep all the rooms full. But if somebody's on a guaranteed rent relationship, then you're getting the guaranteed rent no matter what. So um, so that's something that can protect people from some of the vagaries Yeah. anyway. Yeah. And yeah, we, we have our, our training program. So what happened there was I wasn't intending to create any... Um, training i i had started off doing this thing myself and as you can see i was getting quite excited about it because i was literally i, I was having all these so i just thought you know what i just cannot believe this yeah. <laughs> i cannot believe that this is the thing and all of these years i've gone around totally blind to it you know struggling for, for pennies 
you know, I, I could think back to days when, when Alex was a toddler and there was many times that I would actually go to the supermarket with my money and the calculator because we didn't have the, um, you know, we didn't have the smartphones in those days yeah, yeah. just to make sure that I didn't have the embarrassment of getting to a till and, and not having enough to cover. Yeah. And I would know either how much I had in my bank or how much cash I had in my purse. And I would budget on a weekly basis to the penny. And um, so I, I just I just marvel at, at what's possible. And what the thing that I realize is that I could have done the things before if only I had given myself permission. It was all in my mind yeah. about what level was available to me. Yeah. And if I had opened my mind earlier, I could have achieved more earlier. Wow. Um, but it took a bit of a shock to the system for me to really push myself into it. Yeah, and uh, so that's the main thing that we teach within the program, actually, yeah. is that um, is believe bigger, be bolder, and be a game changer. So yeah. believe bigger really means what I've just been talking about and the, the, the boiling it down to a sentence is get out of your own way mm. <laughs> um, because you have everything you need inside you to succeed. Completely. So that, that's the first thing. Absolutely. And then uh, be bolder is all about that our natural instinct is to hide because we do not want say critical auntie or such and such critical cousin or a neighbour or a colleague to even that we're trying anything new or that we're getting above our station or that we're trying anything or that we possibly might be making money or we might be selling something. We don't want anybody to know. And there's so much freedom when you be bolder and just let people see you and don't mind because it's your mission. It's in your belly that this is for you and this is the way that you have to go. It's your mission. And other people can either like it or not like it, but it doesn't stop you. And the last one is, is, is be a game changer for good. And by that, I mean that being in property or these other strategies, it might not necessarily be property for you, um, gives you the way, the method of being able to change the game in your own life, to change the game for your family, change the game for your community. But the exciting part is where you get to give to the world, to the things that you decide are important. It doesn't have to be somebody else who decides what to give to. You can decide the things that, that you feel are important. And, and since we started all this, we have um, changed it so that within our business, anytime somebody buys our Kickstarter program here, and they're getting a transformation with us here in the UK, and we, through the B1, G1 giving platform, Mm-hmm. Every time that somebody buys here in Malawi and in Zimbabwe, we buy a business training oh, wow. for a person as well. Yeah, it's That's such a lovely cool. scheme. Considering what's been going on with COVID-19, do you think, or has, mm. it, has it changed the way in which you're operating currently? And do you think things are going to change going forward? Yeah, I do. Okay. Right. So what I, how it's changed how we're operating currently is that it's just another example of the many things that happen in life where yeah. you think, oh, how are we going to deal with this? Mm-hmm. But what I realized is if, you, if we just have the future focus, mm-hmm. everything is temporary. Um, it doesn't feel like it at the time, but this is a temporary blip. So all of our contracts are, are for, well, most of them are for five years, some of them are for three. But in three months, either five years is a small amount of time. So we need to be able to get through this in a way that we're delivering excellence and that at the end of it, all of our landlords and tenants and the other people we work with are saying, thank goodness that we were with HMO Heaven. So Absolutely. our question then is how how do we get to that outcome? What do we need to do? Um, um, so I can talk, talk to you practically about what it actually meant within our business. Yeah, I mean that that would that would be good because um, from a landlord perspective, I'm sure um, there are quite a few landlords that were afraid about uh, you know the arrangements had had initially been set up, whether or not they could be honoured by um, by the companies that they're working with. And in addition to that, you've yeah. got a situation where depending on the sort of depending on the sort of tenants, 
that you have you say you mentioned professionals so if it's professionals mm. there's a poss- possibility that some people actually lost their jobs so how does that reflect yeah. around what, what you're doing yeah well we just thought that was uh, my heart really sank and i just thought how are we going to really get through this but yeah. as you know with all the government support it does mean that the vast majority well in fact all of our tenants are can get some kind of support yeah. and so most of them paid their rent as normal and a few of them, they have got a payment plan in place while they're waiting for universal credit oh, okay. or other support to, to come through. So rent has not been a problem and we we uh, sent out some emails and a little form. Um, we, we've got the whole system. But I, I, I've done some posts about it which have been very popular. Yeah. But but that went well. Rent was not an issue. What what has been an issue is that a lot of people move back. Of course you would. Or you might be if you're young and you go back to your family home and you're working from home anyway and you're going to be off for three weeks or whatever. Yeah. And who knows how long. So at the beginning of this, we, we just had no idea at all. Yeah. And so a lot of people move back. So that's, that's the area that's caused us more problem, which is that 20% of our rooms are now empty. Yeah. And um, we can't or we don't feel that we can fill those rooms with key workers because it's a heightened risk for yeah, all of the other housemates and it's just a very difficult conversation to have and it's not something that we felt that we could do yeah absolutely. um so at the moment we're taking a loss on that but mm. um yeah i mean yeah i mean i, th- I think uh in a, in a couple of months i think we will know exactly where we are um, if um, mm. if we see the life cycle of the virus in other countries, we get a, an indication yeah. of the, the the sort of timelines that we're playing around with. But, um, but I mean, what what would be useful for people, or what might be useful for people, if I could just say, is that um, that it's the relationships that you have got with your landlord. So now we're in a situation where, say, if this went on for six months. <laughs> by then some of our who could venture that I doubt that that would be the case yeah. and furlough the government support for the workers is ending at the end of June so um, most people are thinking that there will be some you know return to move, normality and movement and working with yeah. some um, what they call social distancing yeah. um, by then so that, that gives us some hope but we have just decided that we are going to pay for the first three months we have been corresponding with our uh, landlords each week. Yeah. But why? what I do see is that a lot of my, you know, rent rent kickstarters or or other people who are doing rent rent do come and ask me, what should I do? I can't pay my landlord. I haven't got any money. They haven't got buses. They haven't got, um, you know, money in the bank that they can pay off yeah. money that's not coming in. Yeah. And so what I say to them is that, Although you've got a legal and contractual agreement with your landlord, yeah. it is still a human relationship. And that the number one is to communicate and then take actions. Your landlord is a partner with you in getting the best possible for his property uh, or her. And um, when you talk to somebody and you're not just asking to pay nothing, but you're actually showing them the evidence of what is actually happening, what your true situation is, Mm-hmm. of what you can afford or not afford and you're coming to an agreement together about how to get through these few months and then when you can return to normal normal running afterwards um most times you can come to an agreement through that but i think that people don't always have the skills of what you need to do and how you need the way you need to communicate to be able to encourage people to be able to be on board with what other solution that you're proposing how how do you differentiate? So why why do people come to you as compared to not going to other establishments? Yeah, I think people come to us because they can see. I think when you look at people, when you talk to people, they show you who they are. Yeah, and when when people uh, look at HMO Heaven and they can see that we've been online for a lot of time. Mm-hmm. We've got over 50 odd reviews, which is a lot for a small company, yeah. um, on their all five star. And that if they speak to us, they know that we're just going to tell it like it is. We're not going to say we can do something if we don't think we can do it. Yeah. Um, and they can see that we've delivered for people over the years yeah. and that we're continuing to do so. We actually care about 
reputation. You know, we would rather take a loss and pay all our lands for as long as we possibly can um, because it's important to us to do to stand by our words. Although we have that basically our, our contracts yeah. with a um, with a corona clause, so uh. that if this were to happen again, you know, when we were going into negotiations, or if we did need to go into negotiations, we've got a clause in there that allows us to do that. So I think I think that's what's different. If, if anybody is interested in rent to rent, then you go to rent to rent success.com and you can download a free guide and masterclass there. Or if you just want to contact me personally and ask any questions or follow up with anything that's come up today, then on Facebook, I'm Stephanie Taylor UK. And on Instagram, I'm Stephanie T Property. And I love messaging about property, love talking to property, if you can probably tell. So, yeah, love to keep in touch with you. Cool. All right. And, and thank you for being on the show. And um, we'll catch up later on. Mm-hmm.